God the Holy Spirit engages us through the word proclaimed and so we turn our attention to that word of God as it comes to us from the book of James in our continuing series just keep faith this morning I want to read from the third chapter of the book of James beginning with the first verse I invite you to listen for God's word Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they're so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No. No more salt, no more, no more can salt water yield fresh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? And so, gracious Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Somewhere today, a woman is saying to herself, I would like to chuck this marriage and start over with somebody who knows how to love me. God knows that the idiot I married hasn't given me the love I need. But then she remembers a promise. A promise that she made and she decides to stick with her marriage and try and make it work. Somewhere a father is saying to himself today, I want my impossible daughter to get out of the house and never come back. God knows she has driven me out of my mind. But then he remembers a promise he made at her birth. I will be there for you. 
And he decides to hang in there even though it hurts to love her now. Somewhere today, a minister is thinking, I'm going to give up my calling. And I'm going to find another line of work that pays a little more and where I get a little more appreciation because God knows that my congregation has given me third-degree burnout. But then he remembers the promise he made to God when he was ordained and installed and he decides to renew his own spirit and stick with his vocation. So writes Lewis B. Smeads in a sermon I read recently. It's true. Somewhere people still make and keep promises. They choose not to quit when the going gets tough because they have promised to see it through. They stick to lost causes. They hold on to love that's grown cold. They stay with people who have become little more than a pain in the neck. And they still dare to make and keep promises. So if you have some ship that you're not willing to desert, if you know a certain people that you're not willing to forsake, and if you have causes that you will not abandon, then you are a lot like our Lord God. Because God makes and God keeps promises. Now I know it's not always easy or even possible to keep the promises we make. And sometimes we make foolish promises when we're young. But this author, St. James, cautions us against careless speech, foolish promises. There are a myriad of ways that we can use words to destroy and erode and undermine important values, but perhaps one of the best things we can do with our speech is to make and keep promises. Today we're cautioned about the wrong use of our tongues the difficulty in taming what we say. But there are occasions when what we say creates something necessary and lasting. Now one story comes to mind. Ministers and worship leaders often misspeak, say things carelessly. I remember the story I heard of a priest who had just performed a wedding went back into the vestry following the service and the sanctuary was still full of people at the conclusion of that wedding and not knowing that his mic was still on was heard throughout the sanctuary saying, I give that marriage about a year. <laughs> Careless speech. With one simple word of promise, a person creates an island of certainty in a sea of uncertainty. When a person makes a promise, she stretches herself out into circumstances no one can control. 
and controls this one thing, she will be there no matter what the circumstances turn out to be. Promises made and promises kept are the very method of taking a hand in the creation of our own futures. And perhaps the most obvious example is when we say, I do. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, for as long as we both shall live. We create our identities as some woman's husband, as some man's wife. We create our own identities when we make promises and keep them as someone's friend. Our culture tells us that our real selves will only be realized if we focus on self-satisfaction and self-fulfillment. But our faith tells us we can only truly be free by making commitments to one another. Promises that we intend to keep even when keeping those promises exact some price from us. So when two people get married, each one says to the other, I'm the one who will be there for you. Nobody knows what they're getting into when they get married. Nobody knows with certainty what the future will bring or what sort of person even he or she will turn out to be. But we stake a claim in that future by the promises we make. Our friendships, our marriages, our families, our neighborhoods, our communities that matter to us. And every community we live in is born and bred by promises made and promises kept. Now that sort of promise keeping is rather countercultural today, I think. In our day, we've decided that contracts are more important than promises. And sometimes contracts sound a lot like making a deal. I'll be there for you as long as you provide me with all the satisfaction I have coming. That's not a promise, that's a deal. The difference is this, we keep promises even when we're not getting what we have coming. In the words of Stanley Hauervoss, the power of promise is the power to stick with what we're stuck with. Somehow Christ has stuck with us. He never gave up on his disciples. And he never gives up on us. When you get down to it, everything we do together, from a nation conceived in liberty to a family reunion, from a successful political campaign to a winning baseball season, from the United Nations to a church picnic, everything hangs on the thread of promises made and promises kept. This morning, as part of our worship, these officers here will make promises, and we as a congregation will make promises to them. 
And the words that we're about to speak are not empty. It's not empty ritual. These words stake a claim in the future. Just as couples do when they come here and exchange their vows with one another in this chancel. It matters what we say. In recent years, there's been a great deal of concern in the public arena about freedom of speech. Last night I saw a news segment on the local TV news about the cancellation of a Bon Jovi concert in Beijing. Apparently, if you can believe the Twitter accounts, it's because in one of their music videos they have a scene from the Tiananmen Square protest of some years ago where a young Chinese man was standing in front of a tank on the street. That kind of expression of dissent is simply not allowed. The Jewish community in these days is being divided over differing positions on the Iran deal. Animal rights groups are threatening anyone who works in the field of medical research. Pro-lifers threaten medical clinics. Islamists threaten anyone who says anything critical about Muhammad. And by contrast, shock jocks on the radio draw attention by intentionally saying everything that is politically incorrect. What we say matters more now than ever. Remember that old saying from World War II, loose lips sink ships? Our text today cautions us to use our words carefully to avoid carelessness in our speech because it can do so much damage. James writes, blessing and cursing ought not to come from the same mouth. I've heard it put slightly differently. You kiss your mother with that mouth? These words in James are a caution, especially to those in leadership, to choose their words carefully. The size of the tongue in comparison to its influence is like that of a match to a burning canyon fire. It doesn't take much in size to destroy an entire mountainside. You see, words do more than describe reality. They create reality. So perhaps there's someone in your life today who has been waiting for you to say something to them. Might be an expression of support, might be a word of forgiveness. It might be a confession, an apology. Maybe it's just someone in your life that needs to hear from you that you love them and that you're still there for them. Create some reality today that builds up those in your life. Our Lord makes and keeps promises. This is the thin thread upon which our faith relies. But it holds. 
Some of the last words of Jesus to his disciples were these. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. And he said this, the last words in the Gospel of Matthew, Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We can rely upon the promises of our Lord. And because of that, we can make and keep promises ourselves. So let us use our speech to build up one another rather than to destroy. Let us pray together. Of God, in the words of that ancient prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, Make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there's sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console or to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It's in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.